Hi, this is Tom Harvey, the Economy Guy. This podcast is all about macroeconomics. It's what's going on in the world around us and what it is can possibly do for us or to us. And welcome. This is an educational show. I want to just give you facts, figures, and some of my opinions so that you can make your own personal informed investing decisions. Hi, this is Tom Harvey, the Economy Guy, and this is just another week. It's Sunday, 22nd of March, and I'm going to talk about what happened in the markets last week and what might be coming in the future. Let's start with uh, the Dow Jones 30. It ended the week at 19,173. Now remember, it started off at around 29,000, so it's dropped 10,000 points which is about 33% for those of you who calculate things. Uh, and it had a big update on Tuesday, but ended down on Friday. So it was down. It was just down. It was a very depressing down for stocks. People were uh, scared, very much scared. How do I know they were scared? Remember last time I introduced the VIX. That's the uh, Volatility Index, V-I-X. Well, it ended the week at 66 that's higher than last week, and it hit 68, a high during the week. So that says at the end of the week, there was just pure panic, and that's why it was so far down on Friday. Uh, it is a very scary market that we're living through right now, if you're part of it. Uh, let's talk about the other things that have happened in this market. How about the oil price? Remember, that was around 31 last week. Yeah, well, it ended... Uh, Friday at $23.64 per barrel. 23. That is huge down. Huge. And uh, what we're seeing there is the fight with the Saudis and OPEC still going on, alive and well. But I believe the Saudis have a second uh, idea in their mind besides destroying the uh, Russians for falling out on that. I believe they are trying to destroy the United States uh, shale oil production and, uh, and crack of fracking because it costs more than $23 a barrel to produce it. So if they can keep the price down there, they will put a bunch of people, oil people, out of business, and uh, which has a knock-on effect on bonds, I might add. Uh, Talking about bonds, the 10-year ended at 0.94%. That's roughly equal to the end of last week. It, it went up during the week somewhat. Remember I said it's kind of scary when you saw rising interest rates. Well, it, well, it did rise during the week. It ended up at about the same place it started at the beginning of the week. So be it. The A little side note here. The three-month T-bills actually traded at the end of the week at minus interest rates, negative, negative. Remember I said big red, 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 red flag, negative interest rates. It was at minus 0.08%. That's a, about a tenth of a percent down. Uh, I don't care, any negative is negative. How did it get negative? I think the VIX explains it all. There was fear and people were buying at any price. You buy U.S. Treasuries when you want your money to be safe. It is the safety, it is the 
classic safety play by treasuries. So they paid, they don't care what they were paying. They just kept paying more and more and more, which drove the equivalent interest rate negative. Shocking. How did gold do? It ended the week at 1501. Not great, since we're looking at a high of 17, aren't we? And, uh, but let's put this in perspective. Uh, gold at the beginning of the year was uh, 1517. It's about 1500. That's a, a hair down, but only a hair. I mean, if you look at the stock market, it was 29,000 and now it's 19,000. So gold is doing great comparatively, right? But gold was also on a tear as people had to sell. Margin calls were going. People were selling their mother-in-law if they could do it. So that's it for right now. I'll be back in a while to talk about what's really happening in the world. That's the more interesting part of this. Stay tuned. Back again, and let's talk about the environment that we're living in today. It's called the virus environment. Da-da-da! Isn't that great? Well, what can we learn about the virus and what it's doing to our economics? I think we might learn something from past history, and we don't have to go very far past in the past. So let's go to China, okay, because they had it first, so they are going through it faster than we are. And let's look at some economic, I consider, very interesting statistics here. How about house sales in China, across the entire nation of China? There was a two-week period, about six weeks ago, that everything stopped selling. And I mean zero sales were done in China for two-week period. No property was sold. At the end of two weeks, things started to sell. And we have a linear function for the last four weeks, after those two weeks, the last four weeks, it has been going up. And at the, uh, at the end of uh, last week or so, we have a uh, situation where roughly the volume of sales in China is half of what it was before the virus got there. In other words, business is coming back. People are buying and selling property. Now, the Chinese are uh, shrewd investors. They see value, they invest. So if people want to sell and people want to buy, it's going to happen. Oh, what else is there happening in China? How about the amount of coal that is used? As we all know, coal is used to produce energy, electricity, in China. So what happened when we went into the virus thing? Well, that same two-week period where no sales were going on, the amount of coal used in power plants was 60% of norm. In other words, it was down 40%. Huge, huge. That says... That was when the factories were turned off, you might say. So that kind of gives you an, an indication that uh, what happened when the factories were off, you're only using 60% of the coal. What happened in those last four weeks? Well, it started going up again, and it's at 80%. So as factories are coming back online, more electricity is being used, and it's coming back. What can we say? They, China had a two-week catastrophe, and then it got better. It wasn't all over, but it got better. Well, what's China saying today? They're saying today that they're saying today that there are no new cases of the virus. None, zero, nada. 
except one in China. There were like 45 outside of China, Chinese that were outside of China, one inside of China, which was not in Hubei province, or with the Chinese virus, right? Okay, that's looking at China. How about looking at United States? The unemployment, there were a whole bunch of people that asked for unemployment insurance last week. Uh, not too scary. It was just a big number. And I, and I think we should all ignore it. However, it will be announced again this coming week how many people have applied for unemployment. And I think it will be a monster number. That's my prediction. And when it happens, I believe there will be an extremely negative effect again on the stock market. So if it, a big number comes out, stocks go down. There'll be fear and the VIX will go up. This is, this is uh, pretty easy to uh, talk about. Right now, Japan is in a recession, official nasty recession. So uh, that's going on there. If you look at the uh, bonds, a whole bunch of bonds, about, ooh, I don't know, uh, maybe about 40% of the bonds that are out there have to be renewed in the near future. And you look at it by industry and you find out in 2020, this year and next year, that the automotive industry has to turn over, roll over, and that, because when they run out, they just sell new bonds that replace the old bonds. If they can, that's the big if. In the United States and Europe, that's where those bonds are right now. The second worst industry for bond and having to renew them is the insurance industry. Very interesting. Insurance industry is very interesting. Something to think about. I'll be back in a little bit here to talk about a lot more interesting things. Back again. Let's talk about what the central banks around the globe are doing. They are taking a, quote, whatever it takes, end quote, approach to the world because they're seeing things fall apart right now. So far, they have a promised and are working on $3 trillion, that's with a T, dollars worth of uh, liquidity injections around the globe. $3 trillion. Well, let's kind of home in more on the United States here. The Fed, I consider the Fed to be more dangerous than the virus. Why? Because we have a debt overhang which is ferocious. Now, the Fed is promising that they will spend the $1.2 trillion that Congress is going to go ahead and approve, it looks like, and they are going to be dropping money on people. If you remember Ben Bernanke way back when, that's almost ancient history for a lot of you, we used to call him Helicopter Ben because he threatened that when things got really bad, he would fly a helicopter over people and drop money on their head. Well, if Congress approves it, a whole bunch of civilians are going to get a check for some money, like a, you know, a couple thousand dollars per family, that order of magnitude, a thousand dollars a person, something like that. We'll see what it ends up with, if it ends up with it, because there's got to be a fight in Congress over spending money we don't have, because every dollar we spend, we don't have one bit of it. The Fed is also uh, doing two repos a day now. Do you remember they started doing repos last September? And that was to stabilize the banks. Well, clearly they failed because they're going to have to do two of them now. So things are much worse. And the Fed have really opened their books and said they're going to buy commercial paper. They have a new 
weapon that they're using. And that means that they're going to buy bonds and stocks and things like that of companies of the industry. And it has to be paid back by the company within a year. That's kind of what the law says. We'll see what really happens. What that does is says if we have over leveraged companies in the United States and they uh, borrow money from the Fed, then they will last longer. They won't go bankrupt as early. So actually, if you look at it, if remember I said this is a huge analogy between this and back in uh, 2008-9 when we had the housing market crash. We had the TARP, a big bailout, a trillion dollar bailout by Congress. Now, I believe we are going through bailout 2.0. That's what's happening right now. The analogy to 2008-9 is frighteningly close, only this is worse. We're spending more money, and the uh, situation is far worse. The, uh, the Fed is starting in a worse position in this with its, uh, where its interest rate was when it started. What is the Fed actually doing? It's rigging markets. It's rigging them with the intent to keep interest rates down. Everybody's going to get money, right? Hotels are going to get money. Airlines are going to get money. I'm going to get money. You're going to get money. Everybody's going to get money. Woohoo! And, uh, but there's no money. So it all it's all borrowed and made up money. We hear that uh, this is similar to World War II, and we have to sacrifice, don't we? We have to give to sacrifice. Well, if somebody's giving me money, I don't feel like I'm sacrificing a lot. Hey, I'm home, and I'm not able to go to the, my favorite restaurant because it's closed. And I'm afraid to go talk to people because they might have the virus. But other than that, that's my sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. World War II, there was real sacrifice. People paid higher taxes during the war than they did before. They put their savings into U.S. bonds to help the war effort. We're not doing that. However, the bottom line is you will sacrifice. You will be hurt. You will pay sometime in the future. because. Economics always wins. This is The Economy Guy, talking to you. Be talking to you next time. Thank you for joining us. Please hit the subscribe button on your podcast reader to get future podcasts. This is Tom Harvey. I am an investor myself, not a financial advisor. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as advice or a solicitation to trade, and we disclaim any responsibility for any negative effects of actions people might take.